But pharmacists as the quality experts are really where we can have the biggest impact on patient outcomes and really shifting to this value-based metrics and the pay for performance was a goal of CMS anyway to, you know, since 2017, I guess, they've been tracking this pay for performance model through the macro legislation and really looking at what are the pharmacist-led interventions that we could put in place? Uh, so medication adherence and lifestyle modification, just counseling points that any pharmacist, no matter where they work, even if they're just a retail pharmacist, I hear that all the time, they can still have a big impact on patient care by focusing on the interventions that they can do and aligning those programs with the goals of quality. Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where quality measurement leads to better patient outcomes. This show will be your go-to source for all things related to quality improvement and medication use in healthcare. We will hit on trending health topics as they relate to performance measurements and find common ground for payers and practitioners. We will discuss how the Equip platform can help you with your performance goals. We will also make sure to keep you up to date on pharmacy quality news. Please note that the topics discussed are based on the information available at the date and time of recording. Information or guidelines are updated periodically, and we will always recommend that our listeners research and review any guidelines that are newly published. Buckle up and put your thinking cap on. The Quality Corner Show starts now. Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. Welcome back to the PQS podcast, where we focus on medication use, quality improvement, and how we can utilize pharmacists to improve patient health outcomes. I'm your host, Nick Dorch, and today we are deciding to look towards the future of pharmacy practice. At the end of the year, there is usually a review or a best of series, something to celebrate the past year or to look at what was most popular. Well, the last two years have been rather unique. And while we don't ignore the ups and downs of that time period, I'm going to take this opportunity to simply look ahead. What is coming on the horizon? How do we prepare for it? And how does this equate to a new form of pharmacy practice? As we always do on the Quality Corner Show, we're pleased to bring a special guest for the episode. And for today's episode, we're pleased to bring you the first pharmapreneur. And yes, that is a real term. She came up with it. So please allow me to welcome to the show, Blair Thielemeyer. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. That's actually a trademark term now, pharmapreneur. Uh, so I have seen on uh, social media and uh, and and where that has been listed. So congratulations on that. Now, Blair, to get us started for today's episode, we want to get a background. Um, so who are you? What do you do? What's your background in healthcare? And what do you do now? So I was trained as a clinical hospital pharmacist in a small rural hospital in Northeast Arkansas. Budget cuts, declining reimbursement, all of those things eventually forced me to cut back to PRN. They just, they couldn't afford to have two pharmacists on staff. And it was me or the director who had been there for 17 years. I really didn't have a, a fallback plan. I was six months pregnant with my first child at the time. Not a great time to go looking for jobs. So I, what I decided to do is go into community pharmacies and do PRN relief work. And so as I was doing relief work for these independent store owners, 
they said, hey, you've got this clinical background. How about you take over our MTM programs? So I started doing MTM for these uh, small stores, seeing their patients you know, on their behalf one-on-one in the store. And I really, I just fell in love with MTM because it was completely different than anything I'd ever done and experienced in community pharmacy. And as I learned more and more about star ratings and, you know, the equip dashboard and how to use MTM to better patient outcomes, I I also started looking into value-based metrics like MIPS and the macro med legislation and HEDIS scores and kind of became um, more knowledgeable in how pharmacists could bill for their services, especially with a collaborative physician. That kind of led me to found the Pharmapreneur Academy in 2016 and put all of that information in one place. I was all over the internet doing uh, webinars and reading white papers and doing all kinds of research, trying to come up with different business models for pharmacists that weren't directly tied to dispensing a product. And so that's really what has led me to what I'm doing today, which is speaking and advocating on behalf of pharmacy. And our real goal is advancement of the profession of pharmacy. So I appreciate you having me here today to kind of talk about what we're looking as far as advancement in pharmacy in 2022. Thanks, Blair. And we're we're like-minded individuals in uh, taking that approach and utilizing pharmacists for that true clinical nature um, and really advancing the practice that ultimately is going to be also improving patient care as a key element. Now, this episode is also particularly fun and unique for me to record today, as I think one of the first webinars that I did five or so years ago um, at the time. Blair, you mentioned it. You were working on things and trying to understand value-based payments and all these other items where I did a a webinar uh, with you and the Pharmapreneur Academy many years ago. So you and I had connected. You've been a great contact and a fantastic person to network with and to learn a little bit more about where pharmacy may be shifting. So to me, this is just a really neat opportunity. Now, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk about pharmacy practice and what the future holds. But before we do that, we're going to stop and hear the breakdown. Now it's time for the breakdown. As Quality Corner show host, Nick will ask three main topic questions. Our guests will have a chance to respond and there will be some discussion to summarize the key points. This process will repeat for the second and third questions, which will wrap up the primary content for this recording. After that, expect to end on a closing summary, usually containing a bonus question. Now that we have described the process, let's jump into the questions. All right, Blair, our topic today is the future of pharmacy. What will it look like? How pharmacists are prepared to embrace their own future? Now, a few years ago, you shared your own predictions for the trends, future trends of pharmacy practice. You had three items that were shared. What were they? And what's the status on those trends today? Were, were you right? Or are, they, are those items still in progress? Well, I think the pandemic, like everything else, has catalyzed a lot of the changes. So, I came up with these three predictions at the end of 2019, and I was thinking about what will the next 10 years in pharmacy look like? I I did not predict the pandemic, um, but I, I do think the pandemic served as a catalyst for some of these predictions. So 
I have three predictions and one bonus one for you today. But the first prediction was around a shift from dispensing. So we know margins are shrinking in response. Corporate pharmacy has, you know, focused on volume. And so increasing the volume for many small stores sometimes just means losing more money. And at some point, something's got to give between the DIR fees and the declining reimbursements. So my first prediction was really around this shift from a commoditized service, from pharmacy being tied to dispensing only, to a product plus a service-based business model in pharmacy. So the second prediction is shifting and adding value in collaborative services. So it might look like an independent pharmacy would connect with a local doctor's office to offer something like um, a chronic care management or remote patient monitoring. Those are services that pharmacists can offer in collaboration with a physician. So helping them care for their patients uh, on a monthly basis, just like we're already doing. Many pharmacists are already doing MedSync. MedSync can be kind of transitioned and transformed into a higher level clinical service if you have the right collaborative pr providers on board. Providers, in turn, they see a lot of value in this collaborative opportunity because pharmacists are the quality experts. I'm sure I don't have to, you know, convince you of that. But pharmacists as the quality experts are really where we can have the biggest impact on patient outcomes and really shifting to this value-based metrics and the pay for performance was a goal of CMS anyway to, you know, since 2017, I guess, they've been tracking this pay-for-performance model through the macro legislation and really looking at what are the pharmacist-led interventions that we could put in place, uh, so medication adherence and lifestyle modification, just counseling points that any pharmacist, no matter where they work, even if they're just a retail pharmacist, I hear that all the time, they can still have a big impact on patient care by focusing on the interventions that they can do and aligning those programs with the goals of quality. My third prediction is probably my favorite because it's around rebranding pharmacy. So we've always, you know, our brand has always been, we're the medication experts, which is very true but with this shift into value-based metrics, what pharmacists can do better than any other healthcare provider is to preemptively put preventative measures in place, depression screenings, fall risk screenings, some of those things, even nutraceutical supplements, helping people stay healthier longer so that we can push the advancement of of chronic disease states back as far as possible. So really the shift in focus from a, a reactive approach to pharmacy care to more of a preventative approach. And generally my clients, we're, we're working with people that are in very niche uh, opportunities. So it may be 
counseling on gut health and helping the patient get tested for you know, SIBO or microbiome overgrowth or looking into functional medicine and nutrition, really a holistic, more preventative view that has only existed on the fringes so far in healthcare. I think pharmacy is the perfect healthcare professional to bring preventative care into the mainstream conversation. It's, you know, doctors just simply don't have time to dig into lifestyle modification and that type of education in a 15-minute visit. And pharmacists are very highly trained and highly respected, and we are the ones that can have those conversations and have a bigger impact on our patients if we keep that in mind of how we can start with preventative care to further the advancement of chronic disease. Thanks, Blair. It as you're describing what this future looks like, I actually think back to the past, and there's a famous quote by Benjamin Franklin. Well, there's many famous quotes by Benjamin Franklin, but this one in particular, that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And essentially, that's what you're talking about, right? That pharmacists have traditionally been that, hey, you take the medication to cure the disease, to cure the ailment. But this shift is more so saying, well, Let's not even progress to that point. Let's have pharmacists working with patients, working directly with patients, direct patient care on that prevention aspect of it. Is is that maybe the simplest term where all three of these trends are pointing to? Absolutely. And and this whole idea around how does pharmacists get paid for prevention? How does anyone get paid for prevention? I think all of these pieces are going to fall into place. CMS is I mean, this is the direction they're wanting to go. And if pharmacists can get really vocal about preventative care and how we can add value to population health, I mean, the, the path to provider status is, is happening. And we've been patiently waiting for a long time. But we also need to keep in mind that the infrastructure pieces of it, I mean, Nick, if we got provider status tomorrow, how many people would be ready to roll out these clinical services? You know, not that many. So the business model, the the building your teams, your support network, the infrastructure, the processes, the business model, the strategic thinking you need to do around how to put these clinical services in place is what I, where I think the gap is. And we're not far from it. But it's going to have to happen at the individual level, deciding to make these changes and put these um, put these services in part of their their workflow in the pharmacy. Yeah, that's that that is absolutely correct. Just because we can provide a service, or you know, pay, pharmacists can provide a service to a patient, or pharmacists can bill to insurers for that service. It doesn't mean that it's ready to be utilized effectively at this point in time. And and just like with everything, there's there's a quality improvement effort to it. We're not perfect, and I could just stop there. We're not perfect, right? And we're especially not perfect the first time that we're trying a service or a patient intervention. We want to learn and grow with how we provide those services, how we, I mean, even to some extent, how we advertise those to patients. When we're talking about preventative services for patients, go back 15 years, right? We had to teach and get patients to understand and trust that they could receive an immunization 
at a pharmacy from their pharmacist. We're still going through that and we're seeing some of the benefits now of that advancement. But with all these other enhanced advanced services, there's gonna have to be patient education. There's gonna have to be education for other healthcare providers and ultimately to insurers as well to ensure that it happens. Now, I do wanna talk more about that readiness and preparedness, Blair, but before we do that, um, I'm gonna move us on to our second question because you're, the three trends that you noted, I agree, on the right path um, to varying levels of success or you know, actualization for those items. But you had mentioned that you've added a fourth trend, and this is based on during the past year, year and a half, two years, we've had some time to reflect on how the world, healthcare and pharmacy are expected to change largely because of what we've seen effects from the pandemic. So your fourth prediction for the next 10 years of pharmacy, what's your latest prediction? Can you tell us about it and how you're expecting pharmacy to shift? Yes, absolutely. So this prediction actually is, is more, you know, even outside of the pharmacy industry, we're seeing something and several authors have written about it called the great resignation. And it's this idea around the pandemic has really reset a lot of people's priorities. Many of us are working from home. We enjoy working from home. And many of us are feeling the pressure of burnout, of stress in the office, of toxic work culture. And I think pharmacists can really relate to that. And in the past, it's always been, um, you know, a you, you get out of school and you put in your time and you make about as much money at retirement as you do when you first join the profession. And the the shift that I am seeing, not just in pharmacy, but, you know, in employers and employees more specifically, is this shift to wanting to, to really make sure that their career, that their lives are fulfilling and are meaningful. And so my prediction is that time freedom becomes the new currency of wealth. They'll, there will be less focus on salary and more focus on time off. There's going to be more focus on work-life balance, on fulfillment and doing what you want to do. And this is the whole idea of learning to think like a farmerpreneur, to, to use my word, and thinking how you shift from an employee mindset to an entrepreneurial mindset where the entrepreneurial mindset is creative and it's innovative and it's exciting and it's doing something you love. So it's really getting back to the reason why you became a pharmacist. So I even lead my clients through guided visualizations to help them get out of the the box of what they think a pharmacist does because so many times we hold ourselves back thinking well i can't do that or i can't talk about that thing because i'm a pharmacist whereas really looking at it from a different perspective of i have this experience i you know maybe you've helped a loved one through a difficult time in their life maybe it's a a chronic disease or something that you you feel connected to, looking at, well, how can I help other people who are in that particular time in their life? And how can I share using the power of the internet? Because now, you know, if you're working as a health coach or, you know, something like that, you don't necessarily, you're, you're not tied down to 
state licenses and things. So if you could educate people on a certain disease state or a certain, you know, time transition in their life, that's where I'm really seeing the the fourth prediction come true is people are more focused on getting their time back and spending their time in the ways that have the biggest impact versus just chasing the the biggest sign-on bonus or the highest salary. As, as I think about that, Blair, it's a yeah, great prediction here and how it applies to not just pharmacy, but everything in general. And as I think about classmates, friends, colleagues, mentors, right? Folks that got into pharmacy, they got in it to help people. And that's, you know, from patient care aspect, but for that time freedom, it's also for the people in their personal lives, their professional lives, and being able to really chase those dreams that they've aspired to and making for a meaningful change. Ultimately, if your goals in the the work that you practice are aligned, that's going to lead to a higher personal satisfaction. Ultimately, I think that leads to kind of more productivity for the the individual as well into whatever they get into. So I, I do want to move us now to our third question. And this is the big one for us to address, Blair. How ready, we've and we've already chatted about this a little bit, that there needs to be a shift. How ready is pharmacy workforce to shift these trends? And by, by workforce, I mean a number of different elements, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, other support staff, they need to be trained. Technology and workflow need to be able to support these services, maybe either in addition or separately from dispensing, because where although you'd mentioned a shift from dispensing, dispensing element, that's never going to go away, right? But it's these other parts are going to be added into the equation. So we need to change how we're doing things. And ultimately, we cannot forget about the patient. I already mentioned this. We're going to have to get patients to understand these pharmacists provided services. So how do you understand or how do you see the future as it relates to education and how we cause this shift to happen for pharmacy? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's advocating at the individual level. So it's helping pharmacists at the individual level decide what they want to accomplish in their career. So it's not creating an MTM program just because everybody else is doing it. It's creating a a program for parents who are struggling, you know, having kids with cystic fibrosis. It's for women who are trying to conceive. It's for people that need genetic testing to help decide on their plan of care post-MI. It's being very specific about where your strengths and values are and really digging into that and going into, okay, how can, how can we, you know, look at what the population around us needs? Because so many pharmacists say, oh, I can't offer clinical services because I'm in a rural area. (laughs) Or on the other hand, I hear pharmacists saying, well, clinical services won't work in my area because I'm in an urban area. So I literally hear uh, all across the spectrum of reasons why our patients won't pay for it or it won't work or the staff support is not there. But I think looking at how you as an individual can get closer to the type of practice that you really want to do, to the impact that you want to have, even if it's just a, a side business in consulting, can help you both develop personally and professionally. So personal development, and I know it's important to you too, Nick, is so important because I think 
many times we're like, oh, we paid all this money. We got a doctorate degree. We got out of school. And then it's just like my minimum number of CE hours done. But really in the professional space, continuing to learn and embracing that lifelong learner mentality of there's always, you know, something I can learn from someone about quality measures or pharmacist billing opportunities, listening to podcasts like this one, going to state and trade association meetings, continuing to develop personally and professionally in your career is what pharmacy needs. And I think that pharmacists have realized that there's not going to be one thing or one organization come and swoop in and save the whole profession, that we're going to need to do it on an individual level to reimagine the direction of our profession. So that's why I'm excited you know, to be able to to come here and speak and at the end of this year, really reimagining where we want to see pharmacy go in 2022. Yeah, thanks, Blair. And, and I'm actually going to just take us to our closing because you, you said that just rather succinctly and, and rather nicely in terms of what we need to do for the change in pharmacy practice. I, I know with that change can be frightening, right? Generally, the consensus is nobody likes change. But also, we don't get improvement if we don't cause that change. And things aren't always great. And, you know, we need to have that spark that lights the fire. Um, We need to make sure that we're prepared for those changes. Change is going to be scary. um, But if we're prepared for it, it makes things a heck of a lot easier for how we approach it. Um, And ultimately, the other part that I think about with change is that if you're involved with making that happen, it's a lot easier for you and it's a lot easier for the people that you're going to work with. So for me personally, as I evaluate the future, I see opportunity for pharmacy. I see opportunity for how people, I see opportunities for improvement with how patients, consumers, the general public, how they view pharmacy. And that I see as a very positive thing. Certainly there are many pharmacists that we know are looking to change the current status quo. And for those that are willing to do it, I recommend that they you know, find places and find like-minded people like the Pharmapreneur Academy, where they can learn more about these items and really become that change that they wanna see in the world. So this may mean getting out of the comfort zone, that can feel a little weird to people, but that is okay. Uh, now, Blair, as we do look to wrap up for today's episode, we always finish our episodes with a bit of different questions for our guests. And I've got three parts to this question for you, um, because change, it can be difficult, as we've said, and it's something we have to get used to, but there's ways that can make it better. So for you, uh, as you're thinking about change, one, how do you how do you track or measure your own personal or professional goals? Two, can you share one or two things that are on that list of goals? And three, is there a goal that you haven't started yet, but you would like to start for the new year? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, I love goal setting. So, so yeah, I think, you know, an easy goal for, you know, just pharmacists in general is to talk about their value more. So I I would love to see pharmacy as a whole set a goal to really, you know, beat your own drum. Like we have had such an impact on this pandemic because think if pharmacists weren't able to vaccinate, our country probably wouldn't be even close to whatever it is, 60% vaccinated right now, because 
who would have done it? And so just the impact for us to see our own impact and for us to change the perception of what a pharmacist does, we need to get more comfortable with talking about you know, how we have had an impact on this pandemic in general, but overall on patient care um, as a healthcare professional. So looking at how how we can kind of shift that perspective and really advocate for ourselves more. Uh, personally, some goals that I have set personally and professionally, so I'm a dedicated reader, avid, avid reader, audible books, because I've got three kids, and by the end of the day, my eyes are so tired, but I'll just, I'll pop my AirPods in. That's why all my AirPods were dead this morning when we started recording, because I'm listening to books that are like right now I'm reading Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, really thinking about connection, thinking about emotions, thinking about how to have a holistic approach to transformation. So some of my goals in the next year are around transforming pharmacists into uh, pharmapreneurs. So we're going to host some retreats. I'm really wanting to plan um, a couple live retreats for pharmacists in 2022, some fun locations. I'm looking at like Maui or Costa Rica or somewhere. If travel plans, you know, lessen up, that's uh, contingent on vaccinations and traveling and all kinds of stuff. But ideally, if we can do something like that, we are hosting a small group in Scottsdale, Arizona at the end of January, which will be a lot of fun. And so uh, really have some plans around personal and professional development. Also speaking and advocating uh, for pharmacists. I go to a lot of entrepreneurial conferences. So I think it's important to uh, cross-pollinate against other industries. So I've always pulled from the the business industry, you know, asking pharmacists to even just start a an email newsletter so that you're interacting with your patients on a daily basis. You're sending out tips and and pieces of information and education that are going to help them achieve their health goals. And then a goal that I haven't started, but I would like to start is a physical, um, so we're digging a pool in my backyard. And I have always swam, but I've never been like swimming for exercise. So I'm actually hiring a, a swimming coach and I'm putting swimming into my exercise routine um, in 2022. So little cold and the pool's not quite done yet, but hopefully by like early to mid April, it'll be warm enough here in Arkansas that I can get in the pool and swim some laps. Well, Blair, one, I love the mix of personal professional goals that you have uh, set there. And, and as you talked about it, right, the goals, there's different, essentially there's waves, right? One of the things that I've always understood with goal setting is that you need to have a tiered approach, right? If you're starting all your projects at the same time and they're all progressing at the same rate, well, just at some point you're going to hit, there, there's going to be where everything's finishing, you get to a gap, you get to where there's just not an opportunity. You need to constantly be updating and reassessing those goals, what are new ones to start, hopefully what are goals that are finishing. And it sounds like you You've got a great mix of items that you've collected there. So 
best wishes, best of luck as you uh, progress or finish out some of your current goals, but then your new ones in 2022, like swimming, hopefully you can keep that head above water, uh, <laughs> both figuratively and, figuratively and metaphorically. Now, uh, Blair, before we do wrap up, we have to end with the, the final notes. Uh, people are going to want to check in with you, your group, your academy, your events. So um, where can they find the Pharmapreneur Academy and how can they contact you? Yeah, so our website, pharmapreneuracademy.com is the place where we share blogs. We have a newsletter that goes out uh, usually at the end of each month with just kind of the happenings and the goings on. That's going to have information about some of our upcoming events. We're running a free live challenge in January. We're doing some other special events. We always host the Elevate Pharmacy Virtual Summit. Um, that's happening at the beginning of April this year. So that will be our sixth annual. And so it it is fun, Nick, to think about how far that um, you know that event has come. Back when we did it in 2017, everybody was kind of going, why would you need a virtual pharmacy conference? And so, you know, now two years into the pandemic, it's it's like the virtual, the idea of sharing your message and sharing ideas and getting outside of your bubble of pharmacy and being around like-minded pharmacists is easier than ever before. So, you know, if someone wants to come join one of our free events, they can interact with us. Um, feel free to email me. All you have to do is hit reply to any of the emails that come out through the newsletter and they go straight into my inbox. So I'd be happy if they could connect and tell me that that they found some value from this show. Absolutely. Well, Blair, thank you for that description. Thank you for sharing your trends today um, and sharing your insight. I look forward to hearing more about these and we may have to check in with you in the future as these trends progress and as others look to join the Pharmapreneur Academy. Because just as you said, we like to have some cross-pollination. As more folks come in and as more folks become involved, um, that may change your perception on what becomes the new trends, right? So these trends that we're talking about today, they are your predictions as of December 2021, but come December 2022, who knows what happens with those? So we'll we'll make sure to check back in with you. Um, thank you very much for the time today. And again, for everyone, check out the Pharmapreneur Academy. Make sure to engage with Blair. Now, uh, for our audience that does wrap up our content for today's episode, and I've got a few final notes for you. Make sure you subscribe to our PQS podcast. And if you have a question or topic, please let us know about it. Similarly, if you have a topic and would like to come on the show and share your thoughts, we would love that. You can DM us directly on Twitter at Pharmacy Quality or by emailing info at pharmacyquality.com. With that, I appreciate you listening to the Quality Corner Show. And there is one final message from the PQS team. The Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show has a request for you. Our goal is to spread the word about how quality measurement can help improve health outcomes, and we need your help in sharing this podcast to friends and colleagues in the healthcare industry. We also want you to provide feedback, ask us questions, and suggest health topics you'd like to see covered. If you are a health expert and you want to contribute to the show or even talk on the show, please contact us. You can email info at pharmacyquality.com let us know what is on your mind, what we can address, so that you are fully informed. We want you to be able to provide the best care for your patients and members, and we wish all of you listeners out there well.